Welcome to the Academy of Esports Podcast. I am your host, James O'Hagan. Today, I'm here with Victoria Horsley. She is the president of the Unified Collegiate Esports Association. Victoria, thank you for being a guest on the Academy of Esports Podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been watching for a long time and wondered when it was going to be my turn. So here I am. Well, this is it. You made it big time. Woo, I've made it. Re- yeah. Now you can retire and go on to other things. No. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it is... Uh, the reason why uh, I was so intrigued by your story is, again, you are so young in this space and collegiate is, I, I hate, I, everybody keeps throwing around that term Wild West. And, I, and I, I don't feel like this is so much Wild West as more of a, we're still, you know, it's more like a space race in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of smart people in the space, but there's a lot of things we haven't figured out and we don't know how to deal with it until we get to it. So this feels more like a space race, but you're one of these people who is, I guess you could say, the Werner Von Braun of <laughs> esports, if you will, because you are figuring out how collegiate works. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get, because again, white female is not, unfortunately, what I typically yeah. see when I see collegiate esports events. So how do you find your way in this space? Um, a lot of stubbornness. No, uh, but kind of. Um, so I, I come from traditional athletics. So I ran events for Super Bowl and NCAA Men's Final Four and different things like that. Um, And one thing I learned is that traditional sports is extremely set in their ways. So if you think that diversity is bad in esports, traditional sports was awful. Um, But esports, while it's similar, um, it's so new that it gives you the opportunity to be like, you know what, you've this industry's maybe 10 years old, depends which article you read and what year. Um, but it's, it's right around a decade old. And so you can come in and be like, no, like you don't know better than me. Like nobody has the system figured out. So I'm here and I'm, I'm here to stay and I'm, I'm smart. I know, I know what's going on. I can speak for myself. Um, and so it's just been a lot of, uh, unfortunately thick skin that I've had to learn over the past few years. Um, but just getting in there and just proving myself and, uh, trying to, trying to pave a path that somebody can follow and makes it a lot easier for them at the end of the day. I just wanted to make mention really quickly that Rudy Blanco has just checked in and said hello to both of us. And uh, <laughs> Rudy is one of those amazing people who I just got to experience a couple of days ago. And uh, Rudy, I uh, thank you for checking in. And Victoria, are you wearing a nerd hoodie? That's I Connor Alney's? Am. <laughs> I have my nerd hoodie as well, too, and I'm not wearing it today. But if I had known, we could have been twinsies. I, you know, I have to promote him because not only is he uh, an awesome human being, but what he's doing is great. And I got this one and the new one in lavender. And I they're the softest hoodies I've ever owned. So I got them all for my kids, too, because they love they love being called nerds. Yeah. My, my two girls and my son, they're down with it. Like they're fine. Yeah. With it, so, yeah, it's great. <laughs> sorry, that, that, that kind of hijacked our starts. Sorry. That's no, my that's ADD cool. moment of the podcast here. Um, <laughs> but yes, you are right. Things are so new. Now, again, you're, you're, you started off at Southwest Missouri. Well, I mean, you started off elsewhere before. You didn't just show up at Southwest Missouri State out of the blue. Um, but Southwest Missouri State was kind of where you honed in. Bachelor's degree, master's degree uh, there, correct? Yeah. Were there, were there things there that prepared you for where you're at right now with, with stepping into this role as, as the president of a collegiate association? Oh, absolutely. Um, they, one thing that I tell undergraduate people is I had to do a 50, that's five zero minute presentations uh, on different things in 
uh, the event and entertainment space. So my undergraduate degree is in entertainment management. Um, so you can do the, the main two tracks are sports or music. And so I took the sports route and then did like sports events and venues, um, worked on like talent agency stuff and then minored in law and marketing. So I just kind of took all that together and did all that stuff. But I had two different classes where I had to give 50 minute presentations on something in the industry. And going into that, it is the most terrifying thing. And you hate your professors and you're just mad about it the whole time. But looking back, like that really, because I'm a very shy, introverted person. Um, and so doing that kind of made the mindset of like, you know what, screw it. Like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go talk to a bunch of people. Like, it's gonna be fine. I survived it. I'll be fine. Um, and so that definitely prepared me. And then I had a professor named Ben Goss, who is a wonderful, wonderful human being. He actually does um, some of the like radio casting for the, it's it's now the Missouri State University, by the way. Uh, but- It will always be <laughs> they, Southwest Missouri State I know, State I know. That's how, that's how everyone is. Cause I, it wasn't that long ago that they changed. Um, but he does the, the baseball team, like he, he cast the baseball team and everything. So he's, he's really amazing. Uh, but taking his classes and doing a lot of different hands-on projects and, um, like one of, I remember my senior year, one of our projects was, uh, to market and brand a team coming from, uh, a hockey team, Calgary, like mm -hmm. they're moving or whatever, uh, moving to Seattle. What would we do? Just like, Hey, you have a team, they're moving to Seattle, brand it market it, go. And that was the entire assignment. And that was so much fun um, because I think like in esports uh, and what I've done for five years or so is essentially everything. You have a job title, but like, for example, with UCA, it's, it's just me. Um, so I'm, I'm the main TO. I do social media, discord, graphic design, but then I'm also the one doing like business and vision and all that stuff. Um, the only thing I don't do is anything to do with accounting, which I'm not, mad about uh but I wouldn't I, be I either. yeah no definitely not but i but i always whenever i started doing that kind of stuff i thought back to that project and i was like okay like we had to come up with logo design name marketing branding color schemes like all this stuff you don't even think of um and then him just being such a great and supportive professor has has helped a lot and then moving into my mba and that's that that's been a, a wild ride not that it's bad it's just you know, like there's classes in there, like I, I will never use in my entire life, but it is what it is. I signed up for it. Um, but just talking looking to back, a person who's been working on his dissertation now for like almost 10 years. So <sighs> yeah, well, I'm actually, I'm getting my doctorate after my doctorate in business administration. So apparently I just, I never want to know what it's like to not be in school. I don't know <laughs> what the mindset there is. Um, but it's just like, I just want to push myself. It's a personal goal, to be honest, um, to get my doctorate before I'm 30. I, it's dumb. It's stupid. Whatever. I'm it's gonna do it. At all. That's <laughs> it's not at all. No, that's, that's not dumb or stupid. I encourage you to do it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be proud when it's done. Um, it's just the the process of getting it done. But but no, I'm excited. And looking back through my education, um, I know it definitely helped because it it not only got me to where I am with the experience because there's not many people. Um, I was fortunate to have a very niche degree, and so there's not a lot of people that have direct school experience when it comes to events. And I, I mean, I can run anything from a trade show to being a talent manager. Like it, it all focused on that. And then we, they push different associations that you can be in and yes. What? I, I'm putting <laughs> up my finger because that's an important point. Yeah. 
it, you know, again, Rudy asked the question, uh, do you find that we are mimicking systems currently in use for traditional athletic recruitment? But let's let's think about just the event side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. You started with sports. You had a choice between music or sports. Yes, there's there's some subtle differences, but stepping into these spaces, you do you feel competent enough to step in and at least manage both of those type of events right now? I mean, subtle differences aside, by and large, promotion, um, getting the word out, you know, the 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 logo, whatever it's going to be, the get, getting the acts together. Do you find that that is there's a lot of carryover? It doesn't matter if it was esports or sports or again music. Do you feel that there's enough? in between all those that you don't necessarily have to focus on esports or sports or one or the other to be successful in it. Oh yeah. Um, I think pretty much everything up until day of, and then even quite a bit of day of, because you have um, like everywhere from getting the venue and the dates to marketing and finding the target market and how to like, whether you want to do it on Facebook or Twitter, or what's the better platform? Like there's, there's going to be research that goes into any of the different kinds of events and so there is a lot of overlap once you know how to do that because i i'm not a person i don't like to copy and paste events so i don't like to go into one event like well here's what i did last time here's a two-page thing on exactly what i did i'm gonna do the same thing i treat each event as its own thing um and then once it gets to day of obviously there's going to be differences whenever you have music you have to have different kinds of security and you have different av and staging and all of that fun stuff and uh like (laughs) i remember um doing because i i did like a mock uh concert when i was in school and there's all the different like if you want in the round seating and then how you're going to do blackouts and visibility and all that stuff luckily with esports you don't really have to think about that as much um because it's usually just like on the side but it's more of a like convention style thing Mm -hmm. um which has been a lot easier than a concert (laughs) to be honest in my opinion um but yeah i would say that it's it's very similar events are are events. And I think that the event organizer is the one that makes it so unique because they add a personal touch to it. But other than that, like, I I think an event organizer can pretty much do any sort of any sort of event that they want to with a little bit of effort. Well, let me ask you this, because it's not been too often that I've I've talked to somebody who maybe at least has training or or experience kind of maybe running these side of things. You know, the traditional esports event is, again, audience and the crowd you know everybody's up on stage and it's the action is not necessarily what's going on behind the screen because a lot of times you can't even see you know the participant because the screen is blocking their face and you just see what the action is going on above and they're maybe feeding off the energy but even nba uh league has kind of changed things up with how they present again as you were talking about in the round right and in the record you're talking to somebody who was in music in high school and college and stuff. So I've, I've done these type of performances, but in the round is where the stage is kind of in the middle and you know, every, the, the audience is kind of in a bowl. Think of a basketball arena. Okay. Mm-hmm. A ba- watching a basketball game would be kind of like an in the round sort of experience. NBA league has said, let's take it and let's put these teams in a round configuration with people above looking down. Has, have we figured out in your opinion, the best way to present esports yet to get like that that fan experience where they feel really enthralled in or is there something still missing in all of this i i definitely think we're getting there um two events kind of like one that's an example of something really good and one that's an example of you know maybe they could work on it a little bit um i i went to the rainbow six uh invitational this 
this year and in, in February before, you know, this year became did 2020. Something hap- did, ha- uh, did something happen in February? Uh, uh, no, March, <laughs> April, May? Uh, ever. Yeah, I don't even remember 2019. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so I went to the Invitational and they did the the type of seating where you black out a whole section. So you have uh, visibility constraints and that's, I, I disagree with events like that because like if it's going to sell out, you're limiting yourself of all of that revenue because I don't like whatever it is what it is. Um, but they had screens that were on the side. And if you, um, sat anywhere to the side of about a 45 degree angle, your view was very, very limited of the screens because they have, of how they had it set up. Um, so that cut out almost a, a third of the audience of being able to really, really see the stage. And, you know, that limits like interaction and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I went to the summer finals for LCS last summer. It, it was in Detroit at, uh, at Little Caesar Arena. So they used the basketball um, stadium and they they did an in the, in the round kind of thing. But it wasn't so much about um, like the players, like you were saying, like there's a screen in front of their face. You really just watch the game on, on the screens. Um, but the amount of interaction that they did with the audiences. So everybody got, I think it was like a Honda bracelet or something um, that would light up different colors. And so like the other side of the stadium was red and we were blue and you would like cheer and, and do different stuff. And they changed the lighting if they would get a Baron or a Drake or just a lot of different stuff like that. They had amazing floor animations. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's one thing that esports needs to start doing more is utilizing all of the floor space. Um, mm. whether it's oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. lighting or just projections or whatever, but the, the gaming community in general, um, I have a friend that makes fun of me for liking RGB so much. Um, but as gamers, you know, we're attracted to like, like my keyboard right now is, is lit up and it, we're, we're attracted to the RGB. Right. And so that's just kind of like a gaming community thing. Keep, and so I think there you go right there. Don't feel bad. My, well, you yeah. Just get, yeah. Cause now it's green and all of a sudden it, it turned green on me, but I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. And so, um, being able to use more visually aesthetic things, um, I think is what esports has. It's very, very unique is that, you know, it's not a basketball game. I'm not like centered on one thing. Esports can attract so many different things and different senses and whatever. So it's, it's a very, very unique experience. And so, so yeah, I think, I think we're getting there. Um, if we start seeing more events like the LCS finals um, and the siege one was great. Don't get me wrong. It was just the staging setup. And uh, when I was in college, they said, now that you have this degree, never expect to go to an event and be a hundred percent happy because you're going to analyze it the whole time. And I'm like, yep, you've ruined events for me. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what I do. Anytime I walk into a venue or an event, I analyze everything. So I'm always going to nitpick and see what's wrong with it. Um, but I, I definitely think, uh, that esports is, is headed in the right direction for sure. Yeah. I work, I used to work at a restaurant. My mother's a pastry chef and I used to work prep work and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't go to a restaurant without going, Ooh, I can make this at home so much cheaper or, I think that's a health code violation. But anyway, yeah. besides, <laughs> one or the um, other. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing, too, is that I think, you know, I, I watch a lot of I'm one of the I'm 45 years old, but I grew up on baseball and I love baseball and, and, and I'll listen to a game. And I know a lot of people for baseball. It's like too long. And it, actually, a football game is technically longer than most average baseball games. And there's a lot more action in a baseball game than there is in a football game. But aside from that. That, you know, baseball has been trying to figure out ways to engage their audience so much so that 
Um, even a lot of people, are, when they're distracted because they're looking at their phones because of the in-game experience they're trying to create, it takes away from the action that's on the field. You know, the, the things that are going on around the stadium become event-oriented. Uh, um, you know, there's I think there's going to be this amazing, I hope, amazing moment where, you know, traditional sports stops looking down on esports and just says, you know what, there's a lot of cool things that they're doing here. Like, you know, you talked about using the floor space. You know, as baseball is beautiful as it being a park, you know, in big green fields, it would be kind of cool to include some LED, you know, displays or something like that along the field that maybe is displaying uh, some some kind of insight or interaction that maybe adds to the game. I'm not saying distracts from it, maybe adds to the experience. So the things that you're talking about, um, uh, you know, again, you, you, you're right now in esports, but it might be down the road that your experience in esports is translating over to a company that wants to consult with you to do, you know, traditional, make their traditional experience so much more engaging. So I really love your insights into this uh, as you share it. So, uh, transitioning a little bit now, uh, Wichita Esports was where you really, you know, kind of found your esports feet, if you will. But Wichita Esports, what what was what was the draw for you to that? What what made you say, okay, you know what, esports is where I want to be, and this is kind of the space I want to exist in right now? Um, so I've I've just been doing a lot of stuff in esports um, since about 2010, whether it's just an online tournament organizer. All right, or... wait a second. Hold on. Stop right here. Okay, because you're 25. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's we're talking 2010. Yep. You know, for people to say they are OGs in esports, you're talking like, <laughs> you know, 2014, 15. You know, people look at me and go, oh, you've been doing this esports thing for a while. And I'm like, not really, but okay. <laughs> you're saying 2010. You're in mm-hmm. high school. What high school experience was there? Anything in high school that contributed? To the, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt your story, but I just want oh, to make fine. sure that I'm visualizing this again. 15 years old, 2010. You're involved in esports. Okay, now go because I want to set the stage for people a little bit. <laughs> it was so it was like online, remote, like just do it for fun kind of things. So I was helping people organize different online competitive tournaments and different games. Um, back then, the big thing was Halo. Um, and, and different stuff like that. So I, I had grown up, um, I still argue to this day that a Nintendo 64 is the best console ever made. Um, but I was addicted mm, to like, mm, <laughs> I'm, Hey, it's amazing. It, it has Sega Genesis. Just fine. Okay. I'll compromise. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. Yeah. But either no, way, no, like, no, I, no, I, no, don't <laughs> compromise. Never compromise with me, but agree to disagree. <laughs> fine. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up playing like Ocarina of Time for Zelda and Banjo-Kazooie and Pod Racer and all of that different stuff. Um, so I, I fell in love with gaming. I, I have a picture of when I was about, I don't even know, like a year and a half maybe. I was, I was inside. I have a yellow Power Ranger shirt on. I'm holding into the 64 controller. I don't think it's plugged in. Um, but I have a bink in my mouth and I have sunglasses on inside. And that I was like, this is this is the epitome of me. Like, it's just it's hilarious. Um, But it started at a young age. And when I got into high school, I just had like friends that weren't in person, but my in-person friends and like my high school, obviously, like esports wasn't really a thing back then Uh, in school like it is today. Like we 
it, I would die if it happened. Like if I had a league at school that I could play in. Um, well, I would have too. And I was in high school in 89 to 93. So trust yeah. me. Yeah. It just, I, I, that would have been great. Um, but I, uh, I had friends that were outside of my immediate community um, that were like wanting to put on events. So I helped them with that. And then I just started doing that randomly. Um, and so that grew into starting to do uh, early in college. I started to do like management, social media management, team management. Um, I was a Rainbow Six Siege player for a very short amount of time. And then I realized how toxic the community was. And I was like, I'm not going to play. Uh, I'll just manage. Teams. So it, it is. And luckily it's gotten better. But it was just that was unfortunately before I had grown some pretty thick skin. Um, so I, I was pretty easily like upset and I don't want to use the word offended, but like I was pretty easily upset about some of the things that people were saying. And, um, so I just, so I was like, all right, like I, I like management anyway, so I'm going to do team management. So I did Rainbow Six Siege. One of the teams went on to play in, um, Latin America and the professional league. So that was really exciting. Um, and then leading teams, the, ma- the main and most successful team I had was PUBG. So we actually traveled the country um, to three different total events that we traveled to. One in L.A., one in Kansas City, and the one in Chicago. I think it was Chicago. Man, it feels like 20 years ago because 2020 has been How about 10 years. How do you not years. know if you're in Chicago or not? Well, no, I can't because there was one that was in Chicago that was canceled. And there was oh. one that was supposed to be in Chicago and then it wasn't. Like it was a very confusing thing. Um, but like <laughs> okay. I said, 2020 has been like 10 years long. So I'm trying right. to remember. Uh, but that was one of the first events. And then we went to Kansas City and then we went out to L.A. And we chose to, dr- to drive from southern Missouri to L.A. because I was like, I haven't seen these states. So I, I don't prefer that drive unless I'm moving out west. I won't take that drive again, probably. But it was one of the most beautiful trips I've ever taken. Utah is extremely underrated. Just want to throw oh, that yes. out there. Yes. Um, nobody, Because I love Colorado. And then we got to Utah and I was like, wait, like this is beautiful. Um, but that's beside the point. So I've, I've been in gaming for a very, very long time and in a lot of different facets of it. And uh, whenever, because it was Wichita Esports and then it was Midwest Esports and now it's Unified Esports Association. Um, that's all ran and it was started about seven years ago by Ramsey Jamul. And I had been friends with him for like three years now. Um, and so I just, I saw what he was doing. Um, and I was one of the ones that pushed him to brand out of the, the Midwest esports name. Um, because I, they, they were doing events in the Carolinas and California and Washington. And I was like, listen, you're, you're limiting yourself by your branding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they rebranded and, and whatever. And then whenever I got there, I'm like, Hey, um, I've worked in collegiate for a long time and collegiate is, it's new. So unfortunately it's one of those things where you see a lot of what doesn't work rather than what does work because everybody's kind of working out the kinks of everything. Um, so I was like, I've seen a lot of what doesn't work. So here are all of my ideas. And I, uh, it started in late 2019. Um, and that's when I built UCEA, which is the Unified Collegiate Esports Association. It's the collegiate section under UVA. Um, and then that's, that's what I run. So it's, it's, I, my my brainchild, I guess, um, and then developing it into to what it is today. So it, we launched in May, and now we have over seventy schools, and we had a, a great fall season. And um, it was I, I was really proud of of how the fall turned out. So, well, let's let's talk about that because again, that's a that's a huge leap. Again, ca- calling this like a space race, if you will, because again, people are launching rockets and things go great, and then things are duds sometimes as well too. I mean. 
uh, I think one of the hardest things I've seen in collegiate in the last week was now TESPA is getting shut down, right? And the, the TESPA shut down to me, like, I'm like thinking to myself, Activision Blizzard, you are literally taking a community, a vibrant, important community and hitting the off switch. Like just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that there are so many developers now who are trying to, at the same time that you, people like you and myself at the K-12 level, who are trying to find ways to make this a great experience for students because Scholastic is much different than the pros in a lot of ways. You know, our, our goals are very different around Scholastic and even between K-12 and Collegiate. There's, there's still this like disconnect between developers and the collegiate community on what are we trying to do here? Do you feel that that's kind of the same way? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's due to a lot of different groups um, kind of just running tournaments, even when it's against the rules and kind of just saying, you know, like, Oh, well, I'm going to do this anyway. And they run like national tournaments, but then in reality, like the publisher wasn't even talked to about it. So I think that's created a bit of a sour taste from publishers and to be honest, and, and I'm probably in the minority with this opinion, um, but I I see video games because I try to move people away from the thought that esports is sports um, mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. There are things we can take from sports. Don't get me wrong. We don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Um, but whenever we look at esports as a sport, that's why you have underpaid coaches where the school's like, oh, we're just adding one sport. I'm going to pay this coach a stipend of 15K this year to run seven different teams absolutely not they're working 80 hours a week and getting paid for 10 so you know what i mean like there are a lot of different repercussions that we need to fix and move away from that mindset because esports is its own thing um but it i i believe that a video game somebody spent years working on that that is that is somebody's brainchild that is somebody's like passion project that they have worked on and that they continue to work on because unlike traditional sports East, uh, like games keep getting updated. So they keep mm-hmm. changing, they keep evolving. They're always, there's always somebody working on it. And so I've always believed that we need to work with the publishers because I don't, I wouldn't want somebody using stuff that I've worked so hard on and going out and tarnishing the name because they have a really, really bad event. And then that ties back to the publisher, right? So for the publisher, it's a lot of marketing and branding issues, um, which are, which are pretty understandable, to be honest. Um, not in every case, like I'm, I'm not a big fan of Nintendo shutting down Melee and all that kind of stuff. And I, that whole I didn't understand that at it, all. I, at- I under I understood it to an extent because they were using a third party system and, and whatever, but I think that could have been a very different conversation than what happened. But mm-hmm. that's beside the point. Um but just making sure that we're respecting the publisher. So what I try to do in Collegiate and what UCA does is we will never run a tournament that doesn't have a license. Um, I want publisher approval. I want the publishers to know what I'm doing. If they say no, then I'll say, okay, like, what can we do to work with you then? Like, if we can't run our own, like, season, can we run a, uh, run a one-off event? Can we do something like this? Like, I, I think it's just, it's kind of been a lack of respect, to put it bluntly, um, in the industry as it was getting started, which... To be fair, is is pretty common because they're just like, okay, like I want to do this, I want to provide this, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and then unfortunately, a lot of the people also jumped in because they're like, wait, I heard this is going to be a billion dollar industry in five years. I want a piece of that pie. When that's not necessarily how all that works, you know, you don't just jump in and get paid a million dollars the first year and get to hop out. Well, there's um, a lot of people who do think that, but 
Yeah, which has been detrimental on a whole different subject. Um, but I, I, I think if we start pushing the idea of respecting publishers rather than, oh, I don't like how they did this, so I'm going to start my own thing even though they don't want me to, um, kind of this negative attitude, I want to create a voice of people and a voice of coaches because no business will ever know what it's like to be a coach. Um, and then no coach will know what it's like to be that developer. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're, li- you've literally done both jobs. Uh, but the coaches are the ones with their boots on the ground every day, working overtime, making sure that their students have opportunities and, and developers games and, and all this different stuff. And so there needs to be this mutual respect that if a publisher runs a tournament, um, I think of like Riot because Riot's the most hands-on. Oh, if they're let's running talk a- about them. <laughs> I have thoughts, but go ahead. <laughs> One second. Um, but, if, <laughs> but if Riot runs a tournament and people don't like the the structure, instead of being like, oh, we need a different third party to run it, like screw this, whatever. Why don't we get a voice together and really try to enact change with the developer? I just, I haven't really understood why it has to be such a divisive mindset and why it can't be, why can't we just work together? Because it's not like if Riot hated collegiate coaches, then they wouldn't support it. Like, you know what I mean? They, they wouldn't provide this opportunity. So they're trying, but probably with a much more limited staff than people think, even though it is Riot, you know, they don't have 25 people working on collegiate League of Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I think it's more about, okay, like I'm going to take my experience as a third-party organizer. I'm going to take this group of coaches who have really, really great ideas, like criticisms, because we're all going to have criticisms right now. Um, how can we work together? And I think that, you know, Riot's kind of starting to do that with RSAA, but I would love to see a little more action out of what RSAA is intended to be. Um, but then, you know, Blizzard shutting down TESPA was a pretty big negative, but I'm, I'm, I don't, and this, I might just be being naive and trying to be too optimistic. I don't believe they would shut it down without a plan. I would think, I don't know. Um, I hope (laughs) I know, I know that's, I, I don't get it. Um, but we, we were able to get a license for a season this fall for overwatch. Um, it went really, really well. And so I, I think they're getting a little more lenient on that kind of thing. So they might take more of a riot direction instead of having, you know, the, the publisher and the third party organizer being the same thing. They might out like have like partner conferences, like, riot does with league of legends and outsource some of that i don't know um but i know that that was a really bad move for the community so i'm really hoping that they uh fix that real quick (laughs) well well, to to speak to riot you know there's there's a couple of concerns especially around their community guidelines that i found number one they combined k-12 and collegiate which again k-12 and collegiate should be seen as two separate groups two separate entities because Mm -hmm. again we operate for very different um uh, different goals, right? Collegiate is about attracting and keeping kids at college. Uh, for esports and K twelve, especially with our games, we're trying to keep kids engaged in school because we have, we, you know, we we have graduation rates that we want to make sure that we that we have. Um, you know, the the thing I keep hearing from Riot is the reason why they chose to partner exclusively with Play Versus was around sustainability. And I don't see how on one hand you can say we're giving the game away free of charge and 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 to say to people, if you can't do play versus, then you're going to just go into the queue and just play your, you know, play in the queue. OK, that to me, again, as you talked about your your experience playing video games, you know, and the abuse that you faced, 
I see every day kids who face abuse uh, from their previous playing experiences. I had a young lady who for two years didn't touch Overwatch because of the experiences that she had online that were so negative. Mm -hmm. And it was this walled garden experience that we created for her. Um, It's and again, you're right. The RSAA, you know, even up until recently, didn't even have a high school member, but was speaking for high school. They didn't have any high school representation, but we were making rules around high school or, or decisions there's it's it's important to have i think a mutual as you talk about respect right they want their respect cool invite educators to the table invite invite the collegiate people to the table and i don't know what that table looks like i don't know how big it is i think rsaa is is limited still because again it's only one seat that right now is currently high school and again i think that there should be separation but let's be intellectually honest also what it is. RS, uh, Riot also has a financial stake in Play Versus, and they decided, hey, this is who we're going to pitch, pitch our horse to. That's cool. Just be upfront about it. Just call mm-hmm. it what it is. Um, you know, we're moving our Wisconsin Association away because we cannot get that that Riot okay to have a League of Legends season, which, again, I see, again, I pick up the pieces, that my coaches, my people in my field we pick up the pieces for those kids who are told sorry you can't play this game anymore the way we've been doing it and i think that's the hard thing is for us it's personal just like as you're talking about their intellectual property is personal for us seeing the disappointment in kids firsthand and saying sorry we can't do this anymore even though it's free and even though what we've done has been i think up to a high standard because again we have a lot of invested people all in the name of sustainability all in the name of a profit all in the name of an investment they say no that is without having a conversation, honest conversation, open conversation about it. I think that's the hardest thing to swallow in all of this. Yeah. And I'm actually on the board for uh, the Michigan High School Esports Federation. So for with their high school group. Um, and it's it's insane to me how many answers there aren't. Um, it's I, I personally don't get it. Now, don't get me wrong, um, with Play Versus and how they came in with Collegiate this year, they actually did a very good job with it. I've heard um, nothing but good things about their Collegiate. Yeah, um, I've worked a lot with Zach over there. He's he's great. Uh, we worked together on our Rocket League because uh, uh, we had some scheduling conflicts and the same teams that kind of ended up getting in the same position. Um, so we worked that out. And they've been great at Collegiate. And that's why I don't understand why the high school is still so messed up um, because I, I personally don't believe in charging students on um, Cause the last I looked into it, it was a per student per month fee. Um, per student per I season. Yeah. Sorry. Not per month per season. Um, and I know that they were shifting away and trying to do like, Oh, you can do a season for a dollar or something. They had like a deal. I don't know. Like it, uh, their perspective on how they do things in high school. I, I always hate that. I, or what words um, I always say that I hate whenever uh, people are like, I don't like it when things are salesy. I don't, I don't like when human beings are treated as a, a lead or a client or whatever. I don't, I don't like those words because especially, that, especially yeah, because in that tells me that you think of them as money. You think of them as a source of income, which I, I understand businesses needing to make money, so I'm not going to like pretend that that's not a thing. This isn't um, about not making money. You can make money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It just, these, these people need to be people. We need, like they're human beings. So we need to be doing what's best for them while also figuring out how to make money for 
us so that we can continue to do opportunities for them. Like it's, I understand the money cycle, but coming directly from the kids and having people fork it up whenever high school is the least monetized version of any sort of esports. Like I've seen youth groups that are more monetized and monetizable than high school. And it's just like, it's this weird, I, I don't know. Like, I wish I had more answers for high school, but it's it's been a struggle because, um, and I, I think it's been even more frustrating seeing how well Play Versus has done with collegiate. And then I'm like, okay, why can't, why doesn't this work for high school? Like, it, that's been very confusing to me, but I, I think if they shifted how they did things to how they've been running collegiate, I think people would have a very, very different opinion of Play Versus overall. Um but I just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where that mindset comes from. And I think that that's what's concerning for everyone. Cause it's like, okay, I, I understand that, the, that it's a business model, but like, why? But why is this the business model? Cause it's almost like they just didn't take into account that these are high school students. These aren't, you know, businesses. These aren't call, like collegiate institutions. These are people and high school Liners. is, yeah. And I, and I very much agree that high school and collegiate needs to be separated because they are nowhere near the same beast. Um, they're, they're very different, but I, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I, I would assume that there would be some changes in the future, but at the same time, it's like whenever you're fully supported by the publisher and the publisher is going to give you exclusivity, then like the, the business doesn't have to change, right? Well, if, if you're, if you're taking the opportunity from anyone else to be able to do it, then why change? But you know, that's why monopolies are illegal, which I'm not saying that they're in a monopoly, but that it's that mindset that is behind that. But I, I just, I, I see them changing in the future because of their feedback from collegiate. I think that maybe their collegiate was kind of a test of, okay, can we do this? And can we move to this model? Again, I might be too naive and too optimistic. Um, but I'm hoping that that's where they're wanting to take high school next, to be honest. Do you, uh, and again, I think a lot with high school, I th- and again, your, your, your representation on the, on the Michigan board is, is noted and I think is important as well. And I see Chris Turner here in chat too, because Chris had a very poor experience recently with play versus in his rocket league tournament that just went yeah. off uh, the past week. Um, do you, I, I think part of it stems from the fact that again, and hopefully your, your insights from Michigan can show this. None of the things that we do in high school around esports are turnkey, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody runs things a little differently. Everybody does things a little differently. Our goals are a little different. Um, you know, even how you present or talk to educators, or again, bring them to the table, invite them in. You know, at the collegiate, do you see collegiate as more of a um, student run experience with coaches versus what's going on in high school where there needs to be a little more adult oversight there needs to be more adult engagement in something they don't necessarily even fully understand again talk about the example that you gave with with college you know that one person and and Calvin Fletcher talked about this you can't tell one person to coach four different sports at the same time that's Mm -hmm. crazy that's nuts we don't do that in the Racine Unified School District we have we have at least we have 12 general managers for our five high schools, which is a huge difference because we know that there's a lot of things that have to be balanced in all of that. Is that part of maybe where there's some difference between where the high school experience has failed, not understanding just how much support a high school program needs versus a collegiate? Yeah. um, To be honest, I think it's a lot of, it's a major lack of education. Um, it's a lot of 
great people who want to jump in and provide these opportunities for students, but they don't know anything about esports. They don't know anything about the certain games. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't have that, that experience. And so they're trying to create these opportunities, but then they just, they don't know where to go and where to turn. And so I think if high schools, um, look to colleges to kind of, uh, cause in my opinion, I think there should be kind of like a, a, a collegiate system where you have like, um, I don't know what you would call it, but like affiliated high schools mm. of like where, you know, it's a different, it's, it's, it's a system where they help educate the high schools in their area. One, it helps with recruitment for the colleges Two, it gives outlook and long-term viability for the high school students. Like there's a bunch of different benefits, but at the same time, you're being able to share that knowledge of, of structure and marketing. I think that that's one of the biggest things that high school misses out on is just marketing. Like, they don't know how to brand their program because if you make it a formalized club, think about how like responsible, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but like responsible and well-ran some high school clubs are because they, they have that support. They're recognized at the high school. Like I was, I'm going to out myself here a little bit. I was president of the math club for my junior and senior year. Um, and- Wait, oh, sorry. That's the wrong sound effect. <laughs> I wanted this one here. Yeah. Oh, and you got and, the hoodie on too. And anyway. the hoodie. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, I was president of that and it was, it was a great club and we did a lot of different things. We did, um, shameless plug. I won, like we call it international math competitions. Um, I, I was the only white female that didn't have a personal tutor to my side. So I, I take a lot of pride in that, that win. Um, but well, we, was we were, this and where was this, uh, Forsyth. So it's in Southern Missouri. Okay. My graduating class is like 70 students. So yeah, it was, it was a tiny little, little town, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but once you start getting those clubs on a high school, it, things kind of develop itself that people don't realize. So once you get through that hard thing of like, okay, this needs to be recognized on our campus or whatever, whatever you would call it in high school. Um, we call ours a campus because we have different buildings, but, um, once you start to legitimize things, then you get to start focusing on marketing. That's kind of why you see the different colleges that have the the established processes and they're starting to be able to monetize things and mm-hmm. get a return out of it because they've created that formalized system. And I'm not a, an advocate for we have to have every school be a varsity team. That's another thing. I think this push towards it has to be varsity to be legitimate. I disagree. Um, I think that a lot of schools have uh, a lot of Michigan universities are good examples. They, um, they're, they have really, really high level clubs that are making mm-hmm. way more money than any varsity team. And they, uh, like, I, I don't like the perception that a student president isn't going to be able to do anything like a coach. Cause this kind of ties into the whole like student led, or do they have to have a coach? Because there are some presidents of like university clubs that I have spoken to that are way more responsible than some of the coaches I've spoken to. So it's, it's a learning experience and it's getting them real world experience that they'll be able to use after. So that's just, that's, that's a bit of a soapbox. I don't like this whole, like everything has to be varsity. Like it doesn't, it, it, it depends doesn't. on the school. Um, but the high school also needs to know that they need to know that, you know, there are opportunities that once you start formalizing things and it's not just a group of students that you're trying to get together, once you take the time to actually line it out and create kind of a, a short fire business plan of everything um, to be able to give to a principal or superintendent or whoever. Once you create that and you start formalizing and creating the box to put it in, 
a lot of things come a lot easier. And then you have a lot more responsibility. You have a lot of students that will impress the heck out of everybody and how much they know and how much they can run. And I, I think we just, I think we underestimate high school students, to be honest. I think we, we assume that they need to be mentored and catered to when, you know, there are a lot of high school students out there who are, you know, they're going pro in Fortnite or, or Overwatch. You know what I mean? Like there are 17 year olds that are going professional in, in different aspects. And so if they can play professionally, why can't other students manage professionally? And so that's, that's my spiel on, I, I just, I think we treat high school students like five-year-olds and I don't know why. <laughs> well, and a lot of times too, as a high school educator, I think part of the problem is, is that they're, they've been asking for permission so long, you know, mm-hmm. kindergartners, first graders, second graders, they're going to just do what they want. They're, they don't have any self-awareness about mm-hmm. it. They're usually just going to go like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom and just get up and wander out of the room. You know, that third, fourth and fifth grader is going to more likely raise their hand. I think a lot of times they wait for permission and I don't think a lot of kids feel that they have permission to, I guess you could say, start their lives, you know, especially around that marketing piece. Um, I, I know that the question that I ask our scholar gamers is what is your brand? You know, don't don't ask them what they want to be when they grow up right now. Ask them what how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. Ask them what does your online presence look like and what does it say about you? Because those are the things I think that colleges and businesses are going to look at first, by and large now more than ever, uh, when they're trying to consider who is going to be a best fit or you know, if you want to be an influencer or if you want to um, you know, have your channel with you know thousands of followers, absolutely do that. But you know, I don't think we ask those kids those questions enough. And I, I have to uh, your point about too this this club versus varsity experience, I think is so important because as I talk with people, a lot of high schools already have gaming clubs. If mm-hmm. your gaming club is working, don't mess it up. Don't yeah. cut it out. Like there's a reason that those kids want that that non-competitive maybe. Uh, you know, the game changes up every day kind of experience, or maybe they go through different games in a year versus that competitive scheduled practice structure thing. You should have both. I think it's important to both. And I think where we've seen, um, not just in the data, especially how NC State came out and said, hey, those club experiences are going to be way more inclusive than your varsity club experiences are going to be, by and large, according to data. But also we saw just how uh, one college, uh, South, uh, University of South Florida, Tampa Bay, took a very vibrant video game club experience and shut it down and said, guess what? We're going varsity for esports without really even talking to their stakeholders mm-hmm. about it. There's a lot of ignorance. And I say ignorance, not out of stupidity, but just like you don't really understand how wonderful a thing is because to them, they just see, well, this is just this is just video games. And we know that it's not. This is community. Again, that's yeah. why I think I was so turned off by how TESPA was was shut down because it's like you yeah. just turned off you didn't turn off blizzard playing kids playing overwatch or, or kids playing overwatch you turned off a community and where does that community then go and how does it migrate and do you even get that back that is a, an incredibly fragile thing once you have a great community it is an incredibly fickle thing that once it's disrupted in some way it can just fall apart yeah and I think that, you know, that's another one of those things that is extremely detrimental whenever people come in and like esports equals sports because it doesn't because we don't need like 
there are a lot of different groups, particularly in the collegiate space, that say, you know, we need an NCAA type structure for esports. Oh God, no! Like, well, that's oh. the side trying to get NCAA actually involved, which n- no, for the yeah, let's take a dinosaur organization but, that can't even they can't even figure out sports and put the money. Yeah, it can't figure yeah. out sports. Yes, that would be whatever. But but there are a lot of groups that are just trying to copy that and put it in esports, and that doesn't work. That's we. We don't need to be telling people that you have to have some sort of varsity accreditation or whatever you want to call it in order to be a competitive team. You don't need to be paying a membership to an association to do this stuff. I think groups jumped in way too early to try to copy and paste the NCAA because, because again, you know, four or five years ago, people heard billion dollar industry. And then so these traditional athletics were like, oh, I want in. Like, I'm not really making money anymore on this. So let's go here. And so they took the the structure of an NCAA and just copy and pasted it. And we're like, all right, like we're good to go. This is going to work for esports. when absolutely not. Like for when I built UCEA, that was one of the biggest things is I don't believe in membership fees because right now, like that might change five, 10 years down the road. I don't know. But right now there is such a lack of information that creating a fiscal barrier for people to even get involved and get information on how to build their program is not only detrimental to the industry, but it's also a really, really bad thing for those schools and in turn, a very, very bad thing for those students because then you're just essentially just throwing them to the wolves and be like, all right, good, like you play Overwatch, cool, have fun because they have no information, they have no structure. And so once you start getting to the competition side of things, that's why I chart like, we have a, a structure of it's like $25 per player is like an entry fee, but then all of that goes back to a prize pool. So it's immediately like paid back. So there's some sort of like ROI and all of that structure. And it it leads to accountability because forfeits is a whole other issue. But it's just like, there's just this mindset that it has to be some sort of NCAA varsity structure where we run governance and blah, blah, blah. But like I said before, there's this publisher that owns it. There's this, this other group that if they want to shut you down, they can. And honestly, they have every right to if you're not doing with their branding what they want you to be doing then they're they're gonna shut you down and so i'm just i'm very adamant on like there are there are club teams that need to need to exist and to your point esports isn't sports because esports is in my opinion way more inclusive than sports sports i mean you have fans i've been i've been a denver broncos fan since i could speak and oh i know oh i know it's been a rough few years but all i say to people is like super bowl 50 we cream Carolina. We got it. That buys us like 20 years before we need another Super Bowl. Um, but oh, if you're like, a Bears fan, it <laughs> buys you 40. Go on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Chicago. They're still living off 1985 around here. So go Chicago. on. Yeah. Understandable, though. Um, but like I, I used to want to do like data analytics for the Denver Broncos. Like I was I was good to go. And then I got into the sports industry and I was like, there's really like the players and the like the front office and the back office. And that's it. Like then you just have fans. Like there is no way for me to really be interactive with a team or a player. Um, like there just isn't. But then you go into esports, and esports is a completely different world that yes, you have players, but I, I mentioned that my my boyfriend's a professor. He's he's a shoutcaster for Valorant. He's one of the top shoutcasters for Valorant. And he, he can just do that. Like it there's this whole world in esports that people just discredit because they're like, oh, they, they come in with that mindset of oh, sports. Like, no, because we need to build on that community because if we if we don't, then 
like we're just like esports isn't going to grow. So, like in my opinion, people call it a bubble, right? So I just think that that bubble is going to pop if we don't do something with the community. Like we need to build up people because not only is is esports not sports, but it's way more accessible. You can be anyone, and like it's it's really really amazing to see like the different games that are now made as like medical options for ADHD and you have like accessible controllers and ways for people to play who don't have arms and just so many things and people don't care. Well, I say this as a, as a woman in esports who gets told to go back to the kitchen every time I turn on a video game, but, but you can be, Oh, Oh, trust me. Turning into to Valorant, Rainbow Six Siege, any FPS game, apparently you're just not supposed to, be a female and exist but again whole different subject but like but you can play as any any gender any sexual orientation any race anything you can be whoever you want to be and you can still play the game and you can still get involved in the community you can be part of like support orgs or you can be you, you know what i mean like yeah i just it i i really hate seeing people like like your example like different schools shut down communities because like we want to go varsity because of this whole choir of people who are like varsity is the way then CAA we need to make the same thing like fast let's hurry and I'm just very very against that and so that's the main reason is that what about the hundreds of students that could be included in any way and I, I use like St. Clair College as an example um, they have the varsity team and they have like, I think seven or eight different games, but then they have like the, the student part. They have the student ran, it's a club, but then they have students that come in and they're volunteer coaches. And then they have like broadcast people and they have the whole system where they're building it up to where you don't have to be just a player. You don't have to be whatever, but that's created, you know, three to 400 students on campus now, I think that are in like their student group. And so it's just, I don't know, that's a whole soapbox, but basically it makes me really mad when people are like, it has to be varsity, when in reality, you can have like 400 people on campus that are just as excited and as, as involved as the people playing the video game. Well, and, and here's another thing that I thought, <laughs> you, you touched on this really early in that you, you did a Bradford Harris-esque type rant. I don't know if you know who Bradford <laughs> is, but it's it, but Bradford is one of these amazing people who has been... He's in, he's involved in a, a school district in uh, near Houston, Texas. He has been studying this for two years. They have not made the leap just yet. They've, he's been watching this, learning from this. I mean, two years. And for some people, two years are going, oh, my God, two years. I can't believe how many people go from asking the question, what is esports? To insisting on a turnkey solution within and getting it started and going within two months. I mean, like you didn't even understand what you just signed on for. I think that's part of the problem, too, with Play Versus is the the sales pitches were so forceful and so like you got to get on this. You got to get on this. You got to sign and the signups, right? The churn of signups. Yeah, I think that's part of what these people don't realize. These educators is they don't know what they have. They, yeah. they're they're making decisions for kids who are going to be highly invested in this space. They want to have the best experience that they can. These kids, you know, the demographics tell us that they want to be in here, but they're signing up for these things. These educators are signing for things they don't fully even understand or grasp yet. And that might be also what's happening at the collegiate level, too. Again, that, I think that's what keeps I think while, yes, some of these communities have been shut down. The South Florida is an example of getting it shut down, but you've got at least it's not all minors and just a few adults in the room. 
Yeah. It's all adults in the room who are going to have a conversation. We're going to usually respect each other's opinions versus, hey, you're a bunch of 14 year olds. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is what we signed up for. Now deal with it. And, and we're just going to have to figure this out. I don't know everything that's going on, but we're going to figure it all out. I think that's part of the issue that we have here. But where does in all of this, because you've started this amazing organization, where does Unified Collegiate Esports Association fit into this ecosystem? You talked about, you know, you've run tournaments, but you didn't talk about play versus at the collegiate level or you, you haven't mentioned NACE at all. But you, I don't I, I'm not getting the sense that you see them as competitors. I think you just see them as, you know, like other fish in the sea. Is that fair to say or or where is uh, UCEI? Let me see if I can say it just as it slides off my tongue. UCEA. Where does UCEA fit in this ecosystem? Um, so I there are, I believe that there can be a lot of different options for an institution because, like I said, there are a lot of different structures that work right now in collegiate. It depends on the campus, to be honest, and how they want to monetize things and do scholarships and a lot of different stuff like that. Um, but I, I think that there are some groups that are very detrimental to the scene. Um, and then I think that there are some groups uh, like I, I, I kind of mentioned like play versus coming in and I think their collegiate uh, idea this year was, it really worked. Um, it was it perfect. No, but neither was mine. So that's okay. Um, but UCEA is, it's kind of in the middle. Um, so we have varsity teams, we have high little club teams. And one of the things that I think is beneficial and it's something that we're building out as a tier system um, so that you have different levels of competition, but it's not just like varsity club open. It's varsity mixed with high level club. It's Mm -hmm. maybe new varsity and lower level club where the new varsity, they don't feel ready yet, but they got thrown into varsity. So it is what it is because that's what you see a lot with like varsity only competition is you have a lot of these brand new schools that are supposedly varsity, but in reality they've been functioning for a week so they're not really ready for that. Um, so just different tiers of competition. Um, and then we have different partners and, and resources, like we're partnered with NACAD um, and just resources to give to the students and, and to the, the coaches. And information, I think, is one of the biggest things that people over or undervalue in, in esports is how important information can be to, to a school and to functioning. Um, so UCEA is, is up there with, um, just, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of everything, to be honest. Like I have no interest in governance because one, um, the publishers have already shown that they're shutting that down pretty quick. Um, which, like I said, I get like, who is a third party to come in and say like, oh, you have to have this, this, and this. And the publisher's like, wait, that doesn't match my, my, that doesn't match the game. It doesn't, doesn't match our mission, vision, values, it, goals. It doesn't. Set out yeah. Or- and so that, that's clearly what Riot's doing with RSAA. I mean, they made the rules that no collegiate governing body can come in and make a tournament. And I was like, all right, like I respect that because I, I personally just think it's detrimental. That's my, it's my personal opinion. Um, but I, I don't agree with that whole governance thing. I think that the coaches should be a big voice. I think that that needs to improve for sure. Um, but I think it needs to be, you know, a group like what I've tried to position UCA in being in the fact that we only work with licenses and I, I try to view it as a friend of the publisher while having this big um, group of universities that I, you know, I let them like 
we're not technically a nonprofit, but I let them vote for things. I have an advisory council that I that I send updates to and, and listen to whenever we want to make like a big change, then I'll send them updates with that. And like I get feedback and uh, a lot of the different like if we have a mid-season um, issue, that isn't something that I need to come in and just fix. If we have something where there's, you know, it's kind of 50-50, there's a bunch of different coaches like, hey, I like this. I don't like this. I do a vote. I ran two votes this past season and I I want the coaches to have that voice. And so I think that that's what we need to do when it comes to any sort of third party. It needs to be the the middle of the road. It needs to be the voice for the coaches, because like I said before, nobody knows the coaches like the coaches, like they, they do stuff that none of us can even think of Mm -hmm. um, on a daily basis. And then you have the publishers that they, they're the ones running it and they, they know what's changing in their game next year that nobody else does and, and stuff like that. So I think it's just finding that middle ground and giving a platform for those voices while making sure that everything can kind of be, you know, harmonious in the space rather than it. I, I just feel like everything's so angry. Like uh, it, everybody's it's just personal. so mad. It's yeah. Personal. There's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. well, again, cause we, we put so much into our efforts into this. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, I've had shouting matches with Delane at Play Versus because yep. this is personal. Yep. You know, you're working with kids. We're working with experiences. We're working with our passions. And I think that's the thing that gets so easily forgotten is that just as passionate as I am about something is just as passionate as, you know, Matt Burris at Riot is or just as passionate as you are about UCEA and that experience. I think we, we are so passionate and there's not a lot of listening. And I think... Yep. You know, in my opinion, it there needs to be a little bit more listening that needs to take place. But it sounds to me like what you're presenting as far as where UCEA is positioned in all this, it sounds like a real sweet spot. You're you're not dealing with the headaches so much as the advocacy and the information and the positioning of people to have the conversations. Am I am I putting it the right way? Yeah, and that's definitely the goal. I just I think that the reason that like you mentioned getting in shouting matches and, and stuff with the head of play versus and different, like it comes from, in my opinion, just the the lack of respect to publishers that's been built up for the past five years. So publishers kind of put on this defense of like, okay, well, if you're not going to listen, then we're not going to care about you anymore. And there's just been, there's been wrongs on both sides. Um, I'm not saying that every third party is in the wrong. So don't, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but like, it's been those groups that they'll get a cease and desist and they go, Oh, whatever. Like I'm still going to do my own thing. You know what I mean? Like they, they want to do whatever, despite a publisher coming in and being like, Hey, like you're just running things wrong. So, and then the publishers haven't been listening. So that's why I just want this kind of harmonious group. That's looked at as like a friend of the publisher. Like I come in and I'm like, I'm not going to run a tournament for you, like for your game, unless you want me to. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a little more pushy than that, but to, to get the licenses, but you know what I mean? Like if, if they say absolutely not, then I'm not going to do it. That's why we don't have League of legends, which actually is how, uh, Midwest esports got, uh, the Midwest esports conference and League of legends because they were patient. They were like, okay, like what can we do? So they got a partner mm-hmm. conference and, and that, that does pay off. But I think as we start creating this, just more of a, peaceful place overall i think that's when both parties can kind of come to the table and be like okay like we're not extremely angry anymore (laughs) let's (laughs) let's figure out how we can work together because i'm so passionate about that because i don't think it's going to move forward until both groups come and say hey like we need to work on this together as the longer we keep fighting each other the more divisive the space is going to be and 
at the end of the day, the more divisive everything is, we're just hurting student opportunities. We're just, we're, we're taking away opportunities from people who would, would love to be here and would love to do things. So that's why I'm like, okay, if we could just figure this out and let's just work together. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it would continue to be an issue if everybody just listened to each other. And I know I might just be, you know, hoping for a perfect world, but I, I see that in different movements with what Riot does sometime. And then um, Psionics has has done a really good job of that, in my opinion, yeah. of trying to work with people. And so I think we're moving towards that. And so we just need to keep pushing the idea of, okay, let's just, let's do this professionally and let's just move forward and create that, that harmony and that middle ground to where everybody can be, well, not everybody, you can't make everybody happy, but where, where most groups can be happy and we can actually present opportunities for students because at the end of the day, that's why we should all be here. That's what, that's why we should all be, be doing this. I, I think that's the, I think that's a great point on that is uh, again, we, it is very easy to forget the students who are involved in this. Now we are an hour over our interview. I have one huge question for you that we haven't even gotten to yet and it is it is probably the thing that i i knew i was saving this for last and it's a very important question okay you are from southern missouri i am lambert's <laughs> i knew this is going <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. favorite side at lambert's uh i assume I would... you've been there yes or am i oh. assuming wrong oh yeah oh yeah okay. that was like um an after church on Sundays, if you made it in time, kind of thing. Um, yeah, because you got to get there up. early, or oh, else yeah. you're not. You're you got a two hour wait because the buses yeah. show up going down to Branson. Yeah, those freaking tourist buses. Yeah. Yes. Um. So I used to love, um, because I, I did move out of Southern Missouri when I was like, I guess four years ago. So I haven't been there in a while. Um. But I loved the fried okra. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The fried okra is amazing. And those of you who don't know what the heck we're talking about, <laughs> there is a less there's one in Sykeston, Missouri. There's one in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, somebody in the Twitch Twitch chat got this right away. And there's that's, one that's in actually my mom. So Oh hi mom. She's the best mom. Yeah. But but anyway. it is it is it is a down home, you know, you can get a side of ham, catfish, you know, you can get the mac and cheese with uh tomatoes in it, you get the black eyed peas, you can get the greens. You can get the fried okra and you get those pitchers that are like 64 ounces of soda. Cause if you don't get mm-hmm. diabetes one way, we're going to give it to you another. Yep. <laughs> and cause you don't need both your feet. You're not a ballerina. And um, the, other, the other part of it too is, is the throat rolls. Now, have you ever had a throat roll experience where you cannot, cause people are going, Oh, is that the way they make them? No, no. Explain if you can, Victoria, explain to the audience what the throat rolls are um so they come out with a cart usually two different layers or or three sometimes whenever it's really busy of of rolls just pans of cooked rolls um they're delicious hot. by the way hot. yeah oh yeah oh yeah they're really hot like fresh out of the oven they put it on the put it on the cart and they ring it out and it's just some person in an apron who looks at your table and they go hey and then they just throw a roll at you just if you're lucky <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah sometimes they don't catch your attention but I was always paying attention, so that's probably why I was always. No, like, your mom says that. otherwise. Your mom busted you out. She said she got. No, that's it. true. I was actually about to tell that story. Oh, but okay, I didn't get hit in the face because it was getting thrown at me. I got hit in the face because my sister can't catch. We went with my sister, <laughs> and she like tossed it, and then it like from her toss it hit me in the face. I remember that very vividly because I was very upset. 
not because it hit me in the face, but because it fell to the ground. And so we wasted a roll. Um, yeah. Well, that's but, true. Yeah. But it was, it's, you know, you don't even have to like, if you don't even like the food, you can just go there and start catching rolls. Like it's just, it's an entertainment experience in a meal. So I, I would definitely recommend if anybody's ever near a Lambert's, it's so much fun. Yeah. So much and fun. get there before 11 in the morning, unless you want a, a, a mid afternoon lunch. Or yeah. Like or that. like, I remember sometimes we would go write our name down. Like if we had to shop like in Springfield or something, um, we would go write our name down, go shopping and then come back. Or like we would take like a chessboard or I think they, now they have like some games outside, like the bigger chess boards and, yeah. and stuff like that. But we would take games and if it was a beautiful day outside, we would just hang out with our family and, and chat. But yeah, it's a, it's a good experience for sure. It is an experience, and it's one I highly recommend at least doing once. And uh, Victoria Horsley, this was a uh, amazing. You are, uh, you are somebody who I think a lot more people need to listen to. And if we did, our esports experience would be a lot better uh, place. Thank you so much for being so giving of your time and being a part of the Academy of Esports podcast today. That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter, at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N. And through the Academy of Esports account, at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash taoesports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week.